Thank you, men, for that song. I think uh, very relevant to some of the thoughts uh, I plan to share with you this morning. It's, um, <clears throat> this is a topic that I have often encountered um, as I have moved around with various people. And um, one of the questions that does come is, uh, have you ever come close to giving up on your Christian faith? And um, if truth be known, um, when tragedy strikes, when things don't quite go the way you planned, you, t- you tend to think that God is absent from your situation. And uh, you say, what's the point of all of this? The psalmist in Psalm 73 had a similar thought. Uh, He said, what's the use of me coming to church? What's the use of my worship if the unrighteous do better than me? But thank God, towards the end of that psalm, he realizes that he's got God, and that's much better than anything else anybody could have. And hopefully that's the thought I would like us to take with us this morning. And uh, I've titled the message, Unfailing Faith, taken from this passage. What can we expect in life? Uh, These challenges will come. Uh, Trust me, they will come. There are times you go through some darkness and then uh, you, you want to, your mouth may not say it, but your mind will think it. Is it worth it all? And God uh, grant us the wisdom to understand what his word says and how he has catered even for those situations when we feel pretty low and we feel like giving up. So let's pray and then we'll dive straight into this uh, message. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that you are present where two or three are gathered. And Lord, I thank you that You're here to guide and lead our thinking this morning. Lord, open your word to us and help us, Lord, encourage our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus had given his disciples a snapshot of the coming kingdom in the preceding verses to the one that Nathan read for us. He had dealt with the issue of greatness and he introduced the theme of servanthood as the way to greatness, not something that our modern culture will endorse. They would very much say that to be great, you've got to push everyone else aside and get to the top. But Jesus said, if you want to be great, you first got to serve. And he demonstrated that uh, on the night he was betrayed by taking a basin and washing the feet of his own disciples. It was also a time that God's will for Jesus was going to be fulfilled, that in a few short hours, maybe a couple of days from this point, Jesus would indeed go through the most humiliating of trials, 
and be unjustly found guilty and be crucified on a cross which was meant for criminals who have committed the worst offense of the time. He was fully aware of that and as he pondered that, it seems strange that this passage comes almost out of context. But he says these words, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, so he's addressing Simon Peter, the disciples, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter. It's interesting. Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter. Now he's again reminding him, remember who you are? Despite your strength, despite the word Peter, I'm telling you, Peter, you might think you're strong. The cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. A warning that Jesus gives Peter. I'll be very glad if someone said to me, something's going to happen in your life, so be ready for it. If the thief said to you, rang up your number and said, uh, David Holowari, I'm coming to your house tonight at 8 o'clock. I'm going to steal all that's in your house. I know what brother David would do. He'll load up his gun and he'll be ready. But, <laughs> but if you're given notice of something, you at least have a chance to get ready and prepare yourself for it. And, and, uh, and Jesus was being very, very compassionate to Peter when he said, Simon, Simon, I'm warning you, Satan has desired to have you, to sift you as wheat. Now, I don't know whether you know this uh, action of sifting of wheat, but if you come from... Uh, a country like mine is commonplace. You see it in every street corner uh, where the seed and the chaff or the, the covering of the seed are still together. And, and so what they'll do, they'll take you in a broad basket like that and they'll toss the seed up to the wind. And the wind would then remove the chaff and the seed, the heaviest seed, would fall back onto the basket. And so after many rotations of this, you'll probably get your rice uh, pretty much free of the chaff that it, was, it started off with. And so it's, uh, uh, it's this kind of an image that uh, Jesus is telling Peter, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to get tossed up. You're going to get, Satan's going to do this to you, you know. He's going to remove some stuff from you. It's going to be very uncomfortable for you. But uh, he wants to have you. He's going to test you. He's going to do some stuff to you, Peter. But uh, you better be prepared for it. You better uh, make sure you're ready for this attack. 
In the story of Job, a similar thing happened, but God did not pre-warn Job that this thing was coming. Satan asked the same question, I want to have him. I want to have Job. He's only following you because of all the good things you've given him. That's why he's following you. You take them away and he'll curse you. He'll die and he'll, and he'll stop following you. In that instance, God did not tell Job, hey, Satan's coming. You're going to lose your family. You're going to use your, lose your wealth. But don't worry. I'll fix it up in the end. God's strangely silent about Job's suffering. And Jesus said these words. He said, I have prayed for you that you will become a better person through this. Jesus didn't say that. He said that your faith fail not. So the one thing Jesus was highlighting to Peter is make sure that through this your faith remains strong. Why did Satan want to attack the faith of Peter? Peter didn't know this, but a few days after Jesus would be resurrected, Peter would be the leader of the early church. Peter would stand up and preach one of the greatest sermons on the day of Pentecost. And Peter didn't know any of this. He, he saw himself still very much like Jesus' second-hand man who do the hard work, do whatever was bidden of him, but see him as a preacher. I don't think he saw him as a preacher. And his faith was going to get tested. And Jesus knew that for Peter to accomplish the will of God, his faith had to remain strong. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is such an important concept in the Bible. It is by faith that we obtain our salvation. You are saved by grace through faith. Faith is how we are justified, being justified now by faith. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Believing that God took your sin and that his righteousness is yours and that you are justified before God is such a vital concept. You need to believe that. Some people still struggle with the thought that their past will haunt them to the day they die. But the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your old nature, your past is gone. And, and uh, your old nature is crucified to Christ if you let that happen. And you can lead a life in uh, honor and glory to God. So you're justified through faith. Faith is how we live. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Faith is how we please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is how God's promises are activated. Faith is the key to prayer. James 1 and verse 6 says that you have to ask 
in faith without wavering. So your prayer life will be useless if you do not exercise faith that God can deliver and do the things in your life. And God is warning every child of God to exercise the power of God in their lives, in and through their lives. He doesn't want us to live mediocre Christian lives. But he wants us to have the very best that he planned for us. Faith is how we overcome the world. Faith is how God's power works in our lives. And so, no wonder, the devil's targeting faith because all of these things help us to become the type of person that God intended us to become. It's by faith. By faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that's why the Apostle Paul would constantly say, in Christ, in Christ you're this, in Christ you're that. In Christ we can achieve this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Another great promise that we can claim. So we have to continue in this faith if you are to have a successful Christian life. But the tempter, the devil wants to attack that faith. He will tempt you to put away your faith. When the Apostle Paul and the early uh, church leaders were getting persecuted, uh, the people of, at Thessalonica were really getting very worried that this, this sort of uh, lifestyle is not what they signed up for. And the Apostle Paul was very concerned that they'll be discouraged and be tempted to put away their faith. And the devil worked hard to try and tell them, hey, this is not worth it. You've got to go through much suffering, much affliction, and uh, try to get them to move their faith. Satan will want to sift you as we, as he asked for Peter. You know what Satan wants to do? He wants to sift you as wheat so that he wants to remove the seed, not the chaff. He wants the seed to fly away and the chaff to fall into the basket. So at the end of your life, all you get is a whole lot of shavings that came off the seed. But Jesus wants the chaff to go away and the seed to fall back in the basket. And sometimes the testing can be so intense that the seed itself might be impaired as you give in to those thoughts that Satan might put into your heart. Satan will attack your loyalty to God as he did with Job. Satan will buffet you with thorns in the flesh. Even to someone like the Apostle Paul who wanted to serve God, that this thorn in the flesh was a hindrance to doing the ministry of God. And three times Paul asked the Lord to take it away. But the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee. That in weakness you will know my strength. And encourage the Apostle Paul that way. Satan deceives and is destructive. John 10.10 says, uh, that the thief comes to kill and to destroy. And that's what he wants to do. The righteous don't suffer is another lie that Satan will pump into your head. He says, uh, 
His promises are not true. He doesn't love you. The suffering is too long. You can't endure. He does not love you. Have you heard that thought come into your mind? God doesn't love me anymore. He might have loved me at salvation, but he doesn't love me anymore. These are all lies of the devil that he'll start to toss like a fruit salad through your mind. And you can partake of it if you want to. If you're itching to partake of them, you'll grab them. Jesus warns Simon. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan wants to sift you. Be careful. Be careful what you hear. Be careful what you listen. Because without faith, your Christian life cannot be lived. I'm praying, Peter, that your faith will not fail. Because I've got great things planned for you. I said to you back then at the start of the ministry that I will make you a fisher of men. That promise hasn't come true yet. So if your faith fails, that's not going to come true. So Peter, I'm praying that your faith will not fail. How many of you believe that Jesus is praying for each one of you this morning? He's the great interceding high priest, seated at the right hand of God. He's gone through the whale and he's seated there. And he's praying for every one of us. He's praying for your futures. He's praying for your trial right now. He's praying for whatever is happening in your heart, your doubts, your anxieties. It's I'm praying that your faith will not fail. What a faithful God we have who does pray so that our life with God can be one of meaning and purpose. God's desire and purpose towards us is given in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. He says, I know the plans I have for you. To give you an expected end. And God's expectation is that you finish well. That you do not abandon your faith. You don't walk away from the one who died for you on the cross of Calvary. Who fortified your faith so that you could keep walking through the hardest of trials. And so we see Peter having been warned of, of Jesus as he plays out his life in the next few days, what sort of a Peter do we see? And here we see the actual failure of faith. Peter failed the Lord when his prayer life was feeble. Matthew 26 and verse 40, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane and he says to his three disciples, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. And the three of them after a hearty meal had fallen asleep. When your prayer life is feeble, you can expect your faith to get tested. It will not stand up. So pray, pray, pray. Brethren, pray that your faith will remain strong and that it will not fail when you need it the most. And they should have been the ones encouraging the Lord in his, uh, in his time of need. And the Bible says, and an angel came 
stood there encouraging the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? The men of God had fallen asleep. And I wonder how many have fallen asleep today when someone else is in need and getting around them and praying with them. Would you strengthen the faith, strengthen your faith and strengthen someone else's faith by your prayer life? Fleshly reliance is another one. When you fall into a trial, the first thing we resort to is our own flesh, our own wisdom, our own ability, our own network of friends. In the Garden of Gethsemane, again, Peter displays his fleshliness. And when the people came to take Jesus, he takes out the sword and he tries to attack the, the high priest's servant. We often like that in the flesh, we try to resist the will of God. And Jesus had said many times before, the Son of Man must suffer. He'll be crucified. But in three days he will rise again. Somehow the word of God hasn't sunk into the disciples' head. And so they said, no, this shall not be and let's fight this thing. And often we fight faith in the flesh. What God has for us we want to fight in the flesh. And then Peter denies the Lord three times. There he is. He said, I will go with you even unto death, even unto prison. I will go, go with you. And then uh, the Lord said to him, you know, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. And we see fear dominating Peter. And as he stood afar off, away from the heat of what was going on, and he got challenged, he let our Lord down again. In the absence of faith, fear creeps in. Simon, Simon, I prayed for you that you'll be a fearless leader, that you will overcome fear with your faith. Faith had disappeared and fear stepped in. And oh my, how fear can step in. And it'll lead you from one trail to another as it'll prompt you all the things that can go wrong in a particular situation. Focus can get dis distorted. This is after the resurrection of our Lord. He'd appeared three times to the disciples. And Peter says, uh, I go a fishing. And he takes all his other men with him to go fishing. What Jesus has told them had almost gone out of his mind. He had gone back to his old um, enterprise of catching fish. Perhaps he thought in his mind, well, it was a great three years with Jesus. We did lots of good things. Wow, the feeding of the 5,000 was a highlight. Raising Lazarus would be one of the highlights. They've all been great. Job's done. Jesus is dead. He's going to go back. We have no leader. Let's go back fishing. That's probably what was going through his mind. Yet Jesus had trained these men for three years and a bit because they were going to play a crucial role in propagating the gospel. 
after Jesus had ascended to heaven. Go into Galilee and wait for the Holy Spirit seemed to have forgotten. Peter truly had failed in many areas in his faith. And I wonder today how our faith is attacked because of a feeble prayer life, because of fleshly indulgences, because of fear and anxiety that dominates our life, because our focus is all over the place, not on what God wants you to do. And you find that when that happens, that your fight is diminished. You don't want to fight anymore. Ever tried straining against something long enough and then you say, you can't. And then you just collapse and give up. No desire to press on. No desire to resist the devil. I wonder how many of us take that verse seriously. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When temptation comes, I think some of us love to embrace the devil, not resist him. What about things we watch on YouTube? Are we resisting the devil? Is your fight diminished? Are you standing against the wiles of the devil? Are you fleeing fleshly desires? Are we fighting the good fight? Of faith. That's what the Apostle Paul called it. It is a fight. It is combat. Flesh versus the spirit. The battle in the spiritual realms. That we need to overcome. Through God's help. And so let me. Bring this to a conclusion. Faith is important. Jesus said so. Jesus prays. For Simon, that is faith, fail not. I would think if Jesus prayed for someone, that prayer should be answered, right? But it would appear initially that there was failure. One, two, three, four, five, five strikes. In today's world, three strikes and you're out. So God was a little bit more generous with Peter. Five strikes and still not out. So how do we deal with this situation? You know, uh, one of the things that we must do when our faith is wavering is that we must keep trusting God. Because God does not change. His plan for you does not change. You might go through some valleys. You might go through some difficulties. But God's plan for you does not change. God's loyalty to you does not change. He'll stand still by your side. When Simon Peter walked on the water and started to sink... He was there to hold his hand and pull him up. 
ever reflected that Peter then walked back to the boat with Jesus? With the master's hand, confidence returned. And he walked back to the boat. My, what, well, what an incredible thing that would have done to Peter at that point. Keep trusting God. One of the fundamental truths in scripture is that God works through revelation and not through explanation. God doesn't explain everything to you. Sometimes you find some explanations in the word of God. But often God reveals himself. When Job asked many questions about his trial. And God finally makes an entrance in chapter 42. There's over 40 questions God asked him without missing a breath. Were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Or when I flung the stars into space? Do you know how these things hang together? Do you know the amount of oxygen that's in the air? Do you know how much? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? And Job was silenced. All the rhetoric about, show me, show me, I need an umpire to stand between God and me. God needs no umpire. He is the righteous judge. Shall not the judge of this whole earth do righteously? God revealed to Job the depth of his wisdom. The enormity of it. And when Job saw that, he just <laughs> collapsed. He worships. He prays. And he's restored. Restored to encourage the brethren who are advising him. God reveals his love through the cross. The transaction was completed when he said, it is finished. And perhaps on that cross, Jesus remembered the many times Peter let him down. And Jesus said, I die for those sins. I'm dying for those areas of your life that are filled with doubt. Every sin cleansed. Past, present, and future. What an amazing transaction on that cross. Do you know he did that just not for Peter but for every one of you and for everyone in the whole world. Every sin remembered. I find it hard to remember what I did yesterday at three o'clock. Every sin remembered. You know the ones you thought no one knows? He knows. And he died for you. And because he died for it, it's completely forgiven if you ask him to forgive you. You don't need to be held in that bondage. 
So God reveals his love. Now people will say, oh, well, if God was a loving God, he wouldn't have made me do the sin. What a load of rubbish. God provided for your failure by dying on the cross. His desire was to bring you back to God. You can read 1 Peter chapter 2, I believe. He died so that he might bring you back to God. All we like sheep have wandered away and he, he's saying, I want to bring you back to God. Because in God's presence is true life. Not in the presence of earthly comfort, but in God's presence. God reveals our destiny through his promises. Brother Paul mentioned many of them this morning. I go to prepare a place for you. Don't be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me also. He talked about eternity and the weight of glory, that he's going to come again, that he's going to take us to be with himself. Every promise will be fulfilled. And on that day when he comes back again, he said there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more letdowns from groaning to glory. He has revealed himself in the scriptures. So when we ask God why, we are doubting the revelation that he has already given us in scriptures to cope with our difficult situations. Trust God fervently. Trust God's word. Love God with all your heart. You know, I sometimes feel if you love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, many of your doubts will just evaporate. The problem is we love God with a semi-love. You love the world and you love God. And the Bible says who loves the world is an enemy of God. You cannot have union with God. Do you love him with all your heart? Is your every waking desire to please God because of what he has done for you? You know, frankly speaking, our future is not in the next 10 years. But our future is in heaven with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he has made that secure by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. It's not your ability, it's not your expertise which is going to see you through the doors of heaven, but it is the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his blood as a sacrifice for your sin and for my sin. He counted every one of them and committed it under his blood. And so when the Father now sees you, he sees you as a perfectly righteous person. Oh, what glory. It's unfathomable. And let me finish with this one thought. So accept his revelation is point number one. 
how you overcome a weak faith or a failing faith. Secondly, add spiritual weight to your life. So when Satan's sifting you, make sure the seed falls back where it needs to fall back. Don't get spiritually lightweight. So how do you put on weight spiritually? So doctors won't like this, but I'm asking you to put on weight. To put on spiritual weight. How do you do that? Eat lots of pizza? No. The Bible says, put on the new man. So take off your lightweight cloth. And it says, put on the new man. Created in whom? Who's created in whom? Christ Jesus. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, is the Lord Jesus Christ weighty? Is he full of holiness? Full of righteousness? Full of gentleness? Full of compassion? The Bible says, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. So that you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So when you take off the Lord Jesus Christ and Satan's doing this, you go flying through the air because when the, if the wind's strong enough, you go boom, out of God's will, out of where you're meant to be. Add spiritual weight to your life. Unfortunately, many of us have, are very good at losing weight spiritually. You know, frankly speaking, all of us should lose physical weight, right? But we put on the physical weight and lose the spiritual weight. Our Bible reading is non-existent. I think if I took a poll this morning as to how many read the Bible every day this week, I'd be, you'd be quite surprised. In this day of iPads and iPhones, where the text is readily available, you could be on a train, you could be on a bus, there's no excuse anymore to say, I can't carry the Bible. By the way, that's no excuse. This is the most precious book you'll carry anywhere. So when you're packing your office bag, this is the first book you should be packing. So they can sit on your table and your boss can see, what's that? The word of God. Keep adding spiritual weight. So they are filled with the fruits of righteousness so that you are rooted and grounded in love. And you see the image? When you're rooted and grounded in God's love that Satan might try to toss you up but you're rooted and grounded. You're not going to fly away. Bearing our cross. Jesus said, if anyone be my disciples, he should what? Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. You put on spiritual weight when you bear the cross of Jesus. Bear the burden that Jesus bore. Not for sins, but his desire for people to know the Lord Jesus Christ. How about bearing one another's burdens? Galatians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul said, bear ye one another's burdens. 
last thing we want to do today. And I understand that. We've got our burdens galore. But every time you bear someone's burden, I'm telling you, spiritually you get stronger. Your treasure is getting built up in heaven. An eternal weight of glory, as the Apostle Paul gloriously proclaimed. That these sufferings, these light afflictions are nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory that God is putting upon us. When is the last time we prayed with a brother or sister who was hurting? When is the last time you took out a $50 bill and said, here brother, God told me to give this to you. Keep adding spiritual weight. God is praying for you. I don't know where each one's faith is this morning. Some may be really strong. I don't know how many of you are in that basket that Satan's tossing up. By the way, Satan's got to get permission from God to sift you, all right? So take comfort in that. And he seems to sift the very, the key righteous people. So if you're being sifted, praise God for it because Satan's taken note of your life and he's trying to sift you to unseat your loyalty to God. He will not permit you to suffer more than you are able He's there to pull you out should you momentarily lapse and fall into the water. He's beside you all the way. I will never leave you or forsake you. And then Jesus says this to Peter. He says, when you are recovered, when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Go and tell them what great things I have done for you. Strengthen them for the ministry that is ahead. And many days after that, the apostle Peter preaches a sermon on Pentecost and 3,000 people are added to the church. 3,000. The birth, the new church is birthed. Peter, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Lord, when? My faith is failing. Peter, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. I want you to be weighty. Go and preach in my strength, in my name. And 3,000 people I added, I have made you a fisher of men. None of God's promises fall to the ground. Every promise will come to pass. And if you ask the Lord that you want to make progress in your spiritual life, say, Lord, help my faith. I've been struggling. Say, yeah, I've been praying for you. I pray that your faith fail not. God grant that you would have a great Christian journey with God and that you'll be one of those who will 
stand before him with much treasure laid up in heaven and one who is a loyal follower of Jesus followed Jesus all the way to the end and for, the, for all of us let's encourage one another strengthen each other in your own faith Brother Paul's going to come and lead us in a song and then uh, I believe we'll have communion after that. So let me just pray and then Brother Paul, you, you'll lead us in song. Thank you, Lord, for your love to us. Lord, our faith at times can falter due to the circumstances that challenge us. But I'm so grateful, Lord, that you pray for us, that you're interceding on our behalf to the Father. Lord, I pray that our faith will just blossom, that the revelation that you have provided for us will encourage us, will equip us to be the kind of people you want us to be. In Jesus' precious name, amen.